Welcome to the Libertarian Tex-Mex Podcast with your host, Caesar Aguirre. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Libertarian Tex-Mex Podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Aguirre, and I got a special guest today, the huge Rob Calvillo. Delighted to be back, Cesar. Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I love the uh, podcast uh, when you come over and we get to have a good conversation. Um, <clears throat> you know, normally I, I'll rip one out. I try to do, I'm trying to do once a week, but right now it's um, gone down to probably about every two weeks. For now, just a lot of stuff going on. But um, when you come in, it's a lot of fun. So thanks for doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, as I said, very glad to be back. Love doing it myself. Cool. Well, um, good timing because, man, there's so much to talk about. Busy week. Busy week, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, um, we got a lot going on. I know the, the big buzz is the impeachment, right? The Ukrainian conversation. Yeah. Um we could get to that. Uh, do you want to start with that? <laughs> well, I was going to say we got that. I know we were just talking about the whole vaping scare. Yeah, the uh, vaping thing. The thing I, I, I want to do is, uh, quite frankly, I want to beat up on Greta a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. In a gentle way. I know she's a child and she has special needs, but um, yeah, I want to do some... <laughs> Well, we'll get to that. Maybe we have to like warm up. To I think that's good. I think that's a, slamming. That's very, children. very, very, very wise. I think we should definitely start with something a little more mundane, and then you know add spice to the broth. Well, we can talk about real quick. Um, I, we didn't mention it before, but we went through it. Is the uh, the flooding that just happened here in Houston? Right? Of course. Yeah. 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 So, um, did you do okay, you guys? We did fine. Uh, the med center got um, on the second or third day of the event. Uh, it looked like Braze Bayou was gonna, uh, you know, go over the banks. Yeah, I mean, completely and cause yeah. pretty significant flooding. But right at the point that it looked pretty critical is when when the rain let up, and uh, so we were spared something pretty, you know, anything significant. Yeah, I remember. Um, <clears throat> I think I told you, but just for the audience. Um, we I, it was like a crazy experience just getting into my neighborhood um you know I, right now i live in independent independence heights which is just north of the historic heights and um i think we actually went through this when we purchased our home so our, it was because i think we had talked about this too was my yard is in the flood zone my house is not in a flood zone that's right so we were kind of curious how that was going to work out but it worked out exactly exactly like that like the the delineating line was my yard um because everything that was on the other side of the yard was flooded Um, and my house is perfectly safe but getting here from work was insane i remember there uh, i remember your video yeah yeah Yeah, well you put up well that was just the end of it um, after everything had gone but i know i was at at work and uh, they told us we couldn't leave like it was super dangerous to leave you get stuck in a flood etc and a lot of people did um i had a uh a colleague of mine um from like out of out of the united states um, from a different country, and he was like, "Man, there's a lot of um, 
a lot of abandoned cars, like who would leave their car there? And I, I had to explain them what a flash flood was because mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not how it works. I mean, literally you're driving and just tons of rain dumps on you in 10 minutes. It disables your car. It disables your car so. and you have no choice but to get out before you drown. Yeah. So I was like, I'm explaining to him like that's the, the remnants of somebody who had to save themselves from a, like a major flood. Yeah, from S- yeah, possible, so it, yeah, from possible death. R- from possible death. Yeah, yeah, literally it wasn't like, oh, there's a lot of rain. I'm just going to get how, out of my How car. inconvenient. <laughs> I'll just come back when the rain goes away <laughs> right. and, 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 casually, yeah. and casually drive my car away. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, um, getting into my neighborhood was crazy. The water was about two feet high. Um, wow. And I think I saw a coworker. That I, told, I told you about that, didn't I? Um, no? No, I don't think so. Um, so all the streets are flooded. Um, luckily I have a truck, so I, right. I, I was testing the, um, the, uh, the risk. Oh, sorry. Um, that's my dog. <laughs> testing the risk of like how high, how high the water was in my truck, like, you know, going slow and if it was too deep, I'd, I'd obviously back out. But a lot of these streets, the back streets were definitely flooded. Like they were up to one foot, two feet. Um, probably a little bit lower than the middle of my door. Um, so I'm driving through the neighborhood, slowly going, and then obviously these old school ha- like roads have ditches on the sides. Of course, yeah. So obviously you're trying to stay in the middle, which is the highest part of the, the street. And this dude is walking in the middle of the, in this flooded water, it's just walking. And uh, I was like, crap, I hope, um, I hope um, he moves out of the way. Because if I move right, I could fall into a ditch, and then I'm flooded. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I'm kind of playing chicken with this dude, and then as I get closer, I'm like, wait a minute, is that my coworker? And it's my coworker, and you know he's going through, and I forgot he lived in the neighborhood. Huh. And I lower my window, and I'm just like, hey, uh, like what are you doing? And he was like, because I was like, I know he has a truck too, and I was like, you have a truck, like you should be able to get through here. And he was like, I don't know how deep it was. So I parked my car like on a dry spot and I was just going to walk it in. And I was like, that's pretty ballsy, but yeah. um, okay. So and, and I feel like, like an asshole because I literally just drove off. Like <laughs> I didn't say like, let me take you to your house or are you okay? Shitty coworker. Sh- sh- shitty coworker, right? Cause, because literally I was, all I was thinking of was getting to my house yeah. and making sure like my dogs are okay and nothing was flooded. Yeah, that's understandable. So I was just so in such a focus. Yeah. I was just like, you okay? What are you doing here? You going to your house? Okay. Boom. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I, le- I totally left them. I mean, I went back to him the next day, and I was like, dude, I'm so sorry, like, blah, blah, I should have asked you. And he's like, no, it's fine, whatever. But uh, it was pretty bad. And then, um, in just in Houston fashion, I mean, um, just an hour later, all the water receded. Yeah, it was nuts. We were back to normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> except, I mean, my neighborhood is not, um, like, a uh, super well-kept neighborhood. Yeah. So there's trash littered everywhere. Um, so yeah, so the water came up, floating objects, and then the water came down and the objects stayed. Oh yeah, yeah, so. the debris, yeah. <laughs> the debris, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, uh, anyways, um, I don't know if you've heard anything about this, uh, this idea that they were supposed to be paying for some flood funds. Have you heard about this? Actually, to my, much to my embarrassment, I don't really follow, uh, yeah. local affairs as much, nearly as much as I should. It's okay, I kind of passed it in glancing because... 
um, kind of what you said is like I know I should, especially because it involves my county and city taxes. Yeah, your immediate right? surroundings, and um, it's the one area of politics where you, in theory at least, can have some level. You can show up to a city council meeting and um, voice your concerns, and you know, yeah, f form pressure groups and all the rest of it. And you can actually shape the yeah. policy at the local level way more easily than if you want to visit your congressman and mm -hmm. you know all that. So mm -hmm. it's another that's it's the it's the most fundamental kind of civic engage, engagement you know sure. you know what we're, sure. what we're doing is a form of civic engagement it's fun <laughs> it's a lot of fun but i mean yeah the, the local stuff yeah is just a, well it's and, a blind spot for me yeah well not to sidetrack but i was um i listened to houston matters I, the, the that's one of my podcast. favorite sources of it's local great, information it's a great one shout out to houston matters what, what? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, they were. There was a recent one. They were talking local politics, and they were saying one of the cool things. Exactly what you're saying is, when you go up in nationality, most of the politics is based on partisanship, right? Yeah. It doesn't even matter the topics or how good of a job you did. It's either are you a Democrat or you're Republican. It's pretty black and white. Yeah. But as you go down to the local level, it, it's not as much. Mm -hmm. um, usually, you're judging a mayor or something like that by their performance, mm -hmm. not whether they're on your party or not. Most of the time, but they're saying recently, there is kind of like an, uh, an, a moderate impact on partisanship. Like, the current, the, you know, the current mayor, Sylvester Turner, mm -hmm. they're saying a lot of Democrats are unhappy with him, but they're still going to vote for him. Yeah. Um, so they're saying, they're starting to see the impacts in the local level for uh, partisanship politics. Interesting. Which they didn't before. Huh. Usually it was like, did you do good? Did you not take you out, keep you or whatever? Yeah, well, I know, I mean, I've always considered the Houston, as far as I know, I, having acknowledged that my knowledge is pretty much only superficial, but as far as I can tell, rather, it's a better way of saying it. Um, Houston seems to be a very well-run city. Yeah. Uh, I know it has fiscal issues and all the rest of it, but uh, one fact that I heard, uh, probably on Houston Matters as it, uh, as it happens, um, is that Chicago, which is not much, uh, not a much bigger city by population, has 13,000 uh, full-time on-duty police, whereas Houston has like 5,300. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we keep our, our fiscal house in order around here. Um, obviously, there was the um, the big labor dispute that uh, resulted in a referendum. Oh yeah. And so that yeah. hinted at some fiscal mm -hmm. issues with the city. But I mean, you know, I was kind of torn about that. Did we talk about that? In the I think podcast? we did. I think we I think we've discussed yeah. it. Yeah. I was kind of torn because you know remember the firefighters. On face value, you're like, yeah, they should probably get an equivalent pay to police officers. But the politics in which they played, I mean, both the mayor and the firefighters, it was like, man, this is dirty. This is dirty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think cities, uh, Houston, comparatively to other major cities, is well run. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, and yeah, they have their their issues. This whole uh, flood. Uh, flood funds. Yeah. Um, they, uh, from what a lot of, you know, typical like conservative Republicans will find whatever they can. And I think one of them was saying like they were, the city was diverting flood funds to something else mm -hmm. besides get, actually getting the streets and stuff ready for flood, uh, uh, flooding, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to remember exactly what was the reason, but I'll have to look into it and see. But it is for sure an issue that. You know, it always comes up when we have floods. They're like, what the hell happened? 
Yeah. Um, but kind of it's kind of those weird things like Houston, it's floods, right? Like yeah, it's you know I don't think there's much you can do unless I mean th- there's not a whole lot to do besides I don't know lifting houses fifty feet up in the air or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know that uh, development has a lot to do with it because uh, they've paved over a lot of the wetlands and grasslands yeah, yeah, that, that absorb yeah, the flooding events. So um, obviously better planning. Yeah. Um, but I mean Houston is famous. Yeah. Um, nationwide for being like oh, the yeah. most like wild west like city planning i mean no, no zoning you can you can it's have pretty, like it's pretty incredible for a a county that is run by democrats to be so laissez-faire you know well it's a wonderful hybrid this I, city I i've always i, I mean uh, the more i look into it the more i appreciate it the more i'm, I'm very yeah. pleased that we have just a, it's a really, really good kind of, on the whole, kind of a centrist, maybe slightly center-left city, but obviously it's the global hub of the energy indus- energy industry, and the energy yeah. lobby is a Republican yeah. lobby, so the Republican Party yeah. has a major presence here. We have, yeah. you know, a, an ex-Republican president, may he rest yeah. in peace, you know, lived here the bulk of his life, yeah. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But then on the other side, we have a Pacifica station, which, you know, far left. Yeah. Uh, radio network. But yeah. It's one. Of, it's one of their. It's one of the network's flagship five flagship stations. It was bombed by the Klan twice in the seventies. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, the Klan blew up its transmission tower. <laughs> oh my god! So it's progressive. Like bona fides are pretty, yeah, pretty right? impeccable. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was talking to, um, you know, your brother-in-law who just moved here from California, right? That's right. And, you know, he's um, he's he's. Uh, He's got his politics, but but I was, remember what I was trying to explain to him because you know California has California liberal and California conservative, and I'm like that's not the same in Texas. Like, no, I, I would say <laughs> a California conservative is pretty much like a like a blue collar Democrat in in Texas. Pretty much, right? Like yeah. about in the same level. I would I was like I would say even borderline those blue collar Democrats almost resemble a libertarian. Yeah. Um, in a sense, like maybe they're leaning left leaning a little bit, mm-hmm. but for the most part, when even me, like being a lean left left leaning libertarian, most of the time I'm like, yeah, you know, I get it. <laughs> well, you know the um, yeah for sure. Um, the major bastion of the Republican Party in California for many many decades was Orange County, um, and there was a recent either radio story or news article, you know, online article that I read that talked about the conservative, it's just, it's changed dramatically. Um, a lot of the people, a lot of the conservatives, either they were old, or so they got old and incapacitated or deceased or whatever, yeah. and a, a more uh, diverse and kind of left-leaning demographic has slightly, slightly moved in, but the people who were kind of st- still, uh, you know, of working age or whatever, um, moved they just got the hell out because california yeah. was getting just so out of control wildly far left i mean it's it's, it's insane yeah that they've got the 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 social pathologies that they're yeah. um, riddled with in, in california well and i mean that's the migration flows right i mean the migration flows are coming out of california into like texas oh um I'll just a fun little fact little uh, anecdote from our recent experience because as you indicated um uh there's been a big family exodus uh, from California, mm-hmm. uh, which is where which is where uh, Caroline was living with. Um, I'm sorry, my sister was living with her, um, 
her family and um, she had her car shipped over and um, I was helping her receive the car, signed for it. And I had a conversation with the guy who was, you know, driving a 18 wheel rig with, you know, multiple cars on the trailer. And he was saying that he makes, he makes a living. This is make, how he makes his full-time living, driving people, people's cars from California to Texas, specifically. That, huh, that wow. run, that one run, yeah. like Smokey and, <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit style, just like <laughs> that one run. Um, and he was making all his money on the outbound journey and hardly making any money on the, ho on the homebound journey. Yeah, he he resides in California. Yeah. And he was saying, it's just like, there's a straight up exodus. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they started uh, charging uh, an exit tax. In California, sure, it's like, yeah. you're moving away, 50,000, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't... I'll we'll chase after you for yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't pat, put it past any Republican or any Democrat to charge you for leaving or going. You yeah. Know? Like, it, it, it's, it's really silly, but... Um, yeah, so I, I was trying to say, like, uh, it's different here. I, I would say if you call yourself, like, a Republican, a conservative Republican in California... You would be scared to hell to see a Texas conservative Republican. Like the things they say and the things they do. Um, be... It used to. The, I think the only difference is secular versus super religious. Man, yeah. I think on uh, you know political economy grounds, fiscal policy, um, drug policy, like everything non non religious. I think it's there'd be a lot of a lot of overlap. Yeah. But then I think the fire and brimstone Christianity yes. of the Texas Republicans would be yeah. very off-putting. Because yeah. the California Republicans are absorbed in that sort of laid-back, right. new-age California thing. And my impression is that it's just this evangelical fire and brimstone thing is just not, and that's what not was, palatable out that's there. That's what I say is like one of the big crossroads between like a blue dog Democrat, a libertarian, and a probably a conservative California Republican, mm -hmm. where it's kind of like... Maybe they're on drugs or marriage and stuff like that. They'll be like, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I will respectfully let you do what you want. Yeah. Right? I think that that's the key difference is maybe a Californian Republican would be like, maybe they don't believe in marriage equality, but or maybe they don't believe in same-sex marriage or something like that. Mm -hmm. But they understand, like, it's your business, and I'm just going to stay out of it. It's your thing. Yeah, so like um, a conservative-libertarian hybrid. Kind of, because I believe the the, conserv like the conservative Christian movement in Texas is not like that, right? No, it's not very libertarian at <laughs> all. <laughs> they're not like, I disagree with your, with this, and but I'll respectfully... No, like, they're like, very authoritarian. No, they're, they're like, you like, can't do it, no, like, and we're yeah. going to hell <laughs> exactly. if, if I let you. <laughs> do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to hell. That's not me, that's a quote from a radio show I used to listen to in Austin. The yeah. opening credits. Yeah. Anyway. Whereas, like you said, like a libertarian or maybe a blue dog Democrat would be like, do what you want as long as you don't hurt yourself or other people, right? Exactly. That's, you Just know, let it be. It's the ethos so, anyways, by which to live. Yeah. So, anyways, like you said, Houston, I think Houston runs pretty well. It's got, like you said, it's got an issue, its issues. I know HISD is like always, right now, it's Oh, major, God, it's in pretty, heat, pretty right? serious disarray. And the guy who left them in the lurch who is now the superintendent of the New York City schools that's right man I mean you know this is a podcast with a small audience I don't want to voice strong 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 <laughs> opinions uh, about uh, public persons but I mean that guy's a straight-up douchebag man he's oh, a yeah. real POS oh, yeah. he's he's just like a hardcore intersectionalist race hustling just 
man, I've been everything, and he just looks. He looks dishonest. Look at him, just like yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it really sucks bec- uh, for HISD because they paid a lot of money for him. Because mm-hmm. I think he came from either I'm trying to remember if it's Miami or L.A. Uh, I think he's a California native, which right. would be unsurprising. Right. He went from uh, he went from California here, uh, but he he knew this wasn't where he wanted to be. He was always aiming for New York. Yeah, eyes on the, the prize kind systems. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically uh, said, "Pay me an exorbitant amount of money. I'm only here for like a year or two, maybe." And then after that, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. So he literally just did like a run and gun, like, you know, come in here, do a good marketing campaign, pretend everything's okay, shake things up a little bit, and then peace, I'm out. Same thing happened with Baylor College of Medicine, I guess about somewhere around 10 years ago. Um, just a, a fast talking huckster who had pretty good connections, um, came in, he was, I don't know if he was, came in from Washington but he had a lot of DC connections and he came in and he became the Chancellor of Baylor College of Medicine and um, he just made a, you know, a bunch of empty promises and he convinced Baylor to sever its relationship with Methodist Hospital that, that had gone back to the 30s. It was, um, wow. Baylor was, yeah. or Methodist was Baylor's teaching hospital for like literally 70 years. Um, and th- this guy came in, he uh, convinced them to sever the relationship, um, and he said, we're gonna build our own teaching hospital. And he did, or they did, uh, and it bankrupted Baylor College of Medicine because it cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, It's on the corner of, if you ever want to drive past it, it's on the corner of Old Spanish Trail in Cambridge. Oh, I remember you said that. Yeah, it's like a 300 bed facility. It's a, it's a state of the art, beautiful, sparkling facility. It's, but it's- It bas- looks nice. It's basically not in use at all. Um, and it was just this white elephant that this guy convinced Baylor to blow all its money on, um, and then he left, left them in the lurch. Um, and it's a very, it's a very, very sad story because it was a, a very function, you know, uh, like one of the one of the great, one of the proud story, one of the happy stories of the Texas world famous yeah, Texas Medical Center. So it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a recurring joke on how academic. The academic world doesn't really vet their employees as well as a private industry. Yeah. So you know, I always joke with Cole. Like, that makes total sense. How they let any Tom, Dick, and, and Harry in there as yeah. long as you, like you said, if you have the paper of, you know, prestige, yeah. they'll let you in without any question. Like yeah. they won't even vet your your <clears throat> your paper. And I remember saying this specifically because that happened with A and M when I was uh, when I ran into Cole there was uh, there was a guy who was the vice, what is it, uh, not vice president, what's what's the Like second? a chancellor? Or but it's like a vice, vice chancellor, chancellor position. Yeah. So he, um, at the time, I didn't know any, anything about this, he actually came to one of our Aikido classes when we had it there. He came in, checked it out, introduced himself. He was seemed like a really nice, smooth-talking guy. Mm-hmm. And we were like, cool, we met the you know the vice chancellor of A&M, really cool, blah, 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 he just started. And then it turns out like six months later, he was a fraud. Like, everything he claimed on his resume was absolutely false. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, they, they caught it, but it was like after the fact. Um, they don't. Man, such a major prestigious institution, <laughs> totally. Texas A and M University. You know, it happens. World class engineering That's, school. Oh my God, I know, right? <coughs> I mean, it happened. I'm sure. I'm sure with their vetting process that I've seen, it probably happens more often than not. Yeah, and I mean, imagine how many 
of these things go undiscovered. Yes. And the guy, like, like yeah. the, the, the fraudster has like a, you know, fruitful career. It's like, <laughs> catch me if you can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. Um, we went, totally went off on a tangent on that one. But um, yeah, the, the HISD thing is still a big thing because they have an interim uh, superintendent right That's now. That's right. And they're, uh, from what I understand, it's um, in danger of like going into receivership by the state. Yeah. Well, they're talking about that for sure. They're trying to come in and intervene. Oh, and by the way, the thing, uh, just one of the one of the real indignities of the Baylor thing is that uh, the state state of Texas, it's a Baylor, it's a private institution. Um, the state of, state of Texas had to come in and bail it out or it would have just, the bottom would have fallen yeah. out from under this, you know, yeah. story, you know, one of the best, certainly the best medical school in the South and one of the best in the country. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was scandalous stuff. Yeah. And it didn't, and it was unre unreported. Yeah. Or underreported, I should say. The, the whole Texas, the Tex uh, Board of Education or whatever, it's kind of a weird thing. Have you looked into this at all with the, the they're talking about intervening into the HISD thing? I, I mean, I know that only the most superficial facts, which is that um, HISD is, is in such disarray that um, the state is in some in some way contemplating or talking about or threatening to they, in, intervene well, they're and ta basically take over. They're making it seem that way, like in terms of their vernacular, mm -hmm. like HISD is HISD is is so bad that we are talking about getting involved. Mm -hmm. But really, what 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 happened was it's one underperforming school that um, they're talking about. Like this, they're using that as. Or means to get into the entire school district. Entire school district. Huh. So, anyways, I was just reading into it, and I was like, okay, this HISD is giant, right? And it's low income to high income. It's very diverse. Uh, yeah, but I'm sorry to stumble over my words, but um, factoid I heard about the number of different languages spoken in the district. Oh, it's yeah. like literally dozens of languages yeah. that are spoken on a daily basis by large numbers of students. Yeah. So it's extremely diverse. I, I was going to say, I think I heard in the hundreds. That's right. That's right. I wanted, yeah. to, uh, wanted to say hundreds, but I didn't want to sound hyperbolic in case the fact it, that was incorrect. So I, yeah. I said, I erred on the side of caution and said dozens. Yeah. Yeah. There's all, so many languages. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. But yeah, I, I like, I, you know, because of my past past experience, small experience in the, this administrative level of school districts, I got a little bit of taste of how it, how it plays, and it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's quasi, I have to say it's quasi, uh, I don't know how to say this, but I can't even say libertarian, but it's quasi-autonomous, meaning the school districts essentially do what they want to, and the state only intervenes if it's like a super bad situation wow. where they have to intervene. Yeah, it's a crisis. So, yeah, so usually the state, it, well, I would say comparatively to other states where most states will want to be proactive and get involved uh, pretty soon, mm -hmm. Texas will be like, let's pl wait and let's see what happens. They'll come in after the fact okay, type yeah. of thing. So having seen them do this where they're like, we're just going to go in and... and you know, take over the show. Um, has to, it, situation has to be pretty damn bad. Well, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm curious. Or maybe it's maybe it's their. Uh, I think it's, it's a power politics. play. You I think, think it's, it's power. Yeah. I think it is. I think they see HISD as one of the largest uh, school districts. There's an interim um, superintendent. They haven't really talked about picking a new superintendent yet. Right. So I think it's kind of like this, um, like we're we're in flux, 
and it seems like the state's trying to take advantage of okay let's go in there let's put somebody in there that's probably probably in all honesty probably more republican conservative oh, for sure i mean i don't know what the state of affairs is now but i remember in 2007 um ultra ultra <laughs> whoa an ultra, ultra, ultra conservative faction um, hijacked the Texas, the, the you know the State Board of Education, yeah. and um, instituted uh, abstinence-only sex education, um, which caused the rate of uh, teen pregnancy in the state of Texas to spike, you know, very dramatically right away as soon as that was instituted. Okay, uh, I remember yeah. being absolutely horrified by all of that. I don't know. Again, you know, it's. Well, we have the highest rate of teen pregnancy in the United States, so. Yeah. Yay! Um, <laughs> and, and you know, very significant restrictions on abortion, which is a pretty noxious combination uh, socially and certainly fiscally, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, there's a lot of interesting local politics stuff. Um, that's a nice, good softball entry into some of the other stuff. Okay. Um, but I know we were talking about... Um, the whole vaping thing that's on the national level yeah that i mean for some reason they just started attacking vaping right like out of nowhere they're saying hey these people are dying because uh they had a, a vape pen in their hands so it must be causing their death and now it's like plastered all over well this is the second uh scare to do with uh vape pens uh the then obviously this one's on a much, much, much bigger scale than the first one. But the first one was uh, like four or five instances in a relatively short period of time of the battery exploding and either seriously injuring or in one, I believe in one case, killing or perma really? permanently disabling or like doing grave, something gravely serious to one person. Oh, wow. Possibly including death. Um, that was you know, a year or two ago. Uh, and now we have... Um, these these instances of acute lung illness, which um, you know result in death, uh, on, in this at this point a couple like a dozen of occasions. Um, well, I find it interesting because I know they were, you know, they tend to make broad broad statements, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, vaping very broadly, vaping is the key factor so it must be the reason why people are dying mm -hmm. but then it's kind of as it gets more more attention mm -hmm. it gets more it the, the story changes yeah meaning it was vaping leading to deaths now it's like these illegal cartridges that are leading to death that's what i mean now instantly that's what i thought that yeah was that it was just um, unlicensed unscrupulous people right. uh, introducing um cartridges uh, marijuana cartridges into, you know, commercial circulation. Right. Um, right. And they were just using, you know, in, in, improper materials. The thing that startled me was um, I initially heard that um, it was they suspected that's the, that that was the case. But then in one one of the reported incidents, um, the guy claimed that he had purchased the cartridge legitimately at a licensed ca cannabis dispensary. I don't know if that's true or not, but that gave me, that caused me a little bit of alarm because, you know, if it got past their vetting standards, what, whatever that they may be, you know, yeah, raises a little bit of alarm. Well, I mean, the whole thing is, I mean, obviously it's whatever material or, or chemical you're putting into the cartridge, right? Mm -hmm. But then again, I mean, what is a cigarette? 
you know a cigarette it's is, full of uh, all kinds of, of extremely nasty I mean yeah. and, and masks produce cigarettes I don't know if this is still the case but I remember in college hearing a fact that blew my mind this is you know, 20 plus years ago that um, in mass-produced cigarettes like Marlboro's Camels um, the main exception being um, American Spirit um, but the other mass-produced brands there's trace amounts of chemicals in each cigarette that are banned from Superfund sites so you're talking about extremely nasty chemicals. Oh yeah. So sure. yeah, there is definitely an element of hypocrisy there. Um, but uh, what's, what has happened that, that is interesting about this is that one product category, tainted, illicit cartridges um, are causing harm, but then it bled over into the legal nicotine market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the guy, the, the CEO of Juul stepped down like right away, straight to right, Yale, right straight, to straight to Yale. <laughs> he went straight to Yale. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, it became, and all these stories about teenage um, nicotine vape addiction have started to emerge, and it really is an issue, man. This these these kids are hopelessly addicted. I don't know, you know, how, how big. I don't know if it's an epidemic, which is what it's made out to be. But um, is there a legal age for vaping? Well, I'm, it's, I'm sure it's 18, but it's really, really easy to bypass. Yeah. You know, these things are in giant, just circulation all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. And I do know that if you take like a, you know, like a big old Tommy Chong hit of off of a Juul vaporizer, it's like the equivalent of smoking a cigarette and a half mm -hmm. in terms of the nicotine mm -hmm. that, that gets delivered to you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, in effect, it's like you're freebasing tobacco. Yeah. You know, it's it's no joke. Freebase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, I, it's just, I guess it just goes back to generally nicotine is addictive. Like we know that, right? Yeah. And it's a poison too. It's, yeah. It's a poison. So I just don't understand this whole, uh, well, actually I do. It's actually funny because there was a meme, you know, those uh, Scooby-Doo memes where they pull the, uh, the, the, oh, yeah, mask, the mask off, off of it. Yeah. And this one had a vaping face, a vape pen face. And they're mm -hmm. like, let's see who this really is. And they took it off and it was a pack of marble cigarettes. Uh -huh. <laughs> so the joke was that like Marlboro or the cigarettes companies are like, you know, they, they have some, they have some motivation to keep this going. For sure. This vape scare. Right. And then it was funny cause they were just talking about how I think, I don't know if it was Marlboro. I don't, I don't know too much about it, but they're saying some cigarette company was just talking about introducing cartridges um, into the market, which is funny because you're attacking vape pens and now you're... Well, there was a failed attempt by one of the big tobacco companies to enter the market. They had their own brand, which failed. And then they bought a 30% controlling interest. I think Altria, which is what Philip, Moore, Philip Morris used to be called. They bought like a 30% stake in Juul, if m memory serves me right. Uh -huh. um, that's definitely worthy of a fact check, but um, I think, you know, from what I've picked yeah. up over the couple, last couple yeah. of weeks. That's, I mean, yeah, it on. makes sense to move yeah. into the new markets and then <clears throat> I'm sure they're trying to build out their own marijuana crops too, right? Trying to get into the marijuana industry. I would imagine so, you know? It's yeah. only a matter of time before there's such a thing as Big Reefer. <laughs> you know, right. like 10 years at the most. You sold out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Big Reefer took over this town. <laughs> <laughs> and then your favorite thing's going to happen, Rob. You're going to have... Subsidized. That's right. <laughs> You're going to have marijuana farmers being subsidized <laughs> by the government. <laughs> and then there'll be weed in everything. <laughs> They're going to try to put it in your car, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It'll be in everything. <laughs> Hidden weed. 
<laughs> Unlabeled. Right? Just a matter of time, man. Yep. Um, so, um, let's talk, okay, let's move into this Greta situation. Okay. Give us with a Greta, with give, Greta Pleasure. Yeah, give us a breakdown first. Okay, well, uh, oh, you mean a, uh, a summation yeah, like, for the listeners? Yeah, of like, person is, yeah. Okay, so, um, I happen to know the correct pronunciation of her last name. It's Thunberry, Greta Thunberry, uh, but it looks like Thunberg. And she is a 16-year-old, uh, climate activist from Sweden, who um, became, rose to prominence about a year ago when she stopped going to school every Friday to protest um, the advanced world's um, climate policies, which in her view are wo woefully insufficient um, in terms of addressing the uh, climate, climate change, climate crisis, it could keep, you know, Keep, they keep on giving it new names, but let's just call it climate change situation. And, and how did uh, she get there? Okay, well, she recently <laughs> uh, delivered some rather impassioned remarks at the United Nations. Uh, it made big news. Uh, it was big, like, major global news. Uh, and she came to New York on board a uh, carbon-free racing yacht. Uh, the journey, the transoceanic trans journey took, uh, I believe, 10 or 11 days. <laughs> And then two uh, weeks, almost two weeks. Was it okay? All right. Yeah. Still pretty quick if you're not, you know, if you're, if you're using. It's the faster wind. than a horse and buggy. <laughs> it's faster than rowing. You know, <laughs> that's true. Uh, and way, way, way faster than swimming. She could have got a ride with some Vikings. Oh, somebody, uh, Trevor Noah made a joke about that. Um, made a pretty good joke about it. Anyway. Um, so she sailed over and, you know, she t it was a major social media event. She tweeted uh, updates constantly um, and then she delivered multiple addresses. Um, she's in Montreal right now, uh, as a, or she just spoke in Montreal yesterday. So her North American tour, I guess you could call it, is still, still underway. But so she t sailed over from Europe to New York on this uh, carbon-free yacht. But then the, um, the thing that we've been discussing all week that I find extremely ugly and hypocritical is that um, she's flying back. She's flying, oh, uh, she's passionately- <laughs> Private jet, right? Well, no, I'm sure it's gonna be commercial, but uh, let's bookmark the private jet thing. Um, she's flying back, as soon as this North American thing is complete, she's flying back to Sweden instead of riding back, <laughs> instead of sailing back on the yacht. It's still here, the yacht's still here. Wow. She could just board it again with the yeah. same crew yeah. and take the, the 12 day or whatever it is voyage back back home. Or hitch a ride with some Vikings back. Or, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Leif Erikson's uh, return voyage, just right. um, stow away. They're waiting in uh, Newfoundland, you know. Exactly. Um, or Newfoundland, sorry. Newfoundland, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. They're sensitive about it up there, so they are. Really butthurt right now, I apologize. Especially, actually, um, just a side fact, in Canada, like, noof is a, a term of abuse because they're considered, like, the, the, the bumpkins of, of Canada, the people from Newfoundland. So it's like, you call somebody noof, it's like calling them, you know, bumpkin, country ass, That's you know, whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're already touchy, Caesar. Pronounce the name of their province right. They're already aggrieved enough. <laughs> Um, so she is, so she's flying back instead of uh, taking the yacht back. So that's hypocrisy number one. Mm -hmm. Hypocrisy number two is that 
the yacht is going to have to be sailed back anyway. So she's not catching a ride that, uh, on the return voyage that has to be undergone anyway. She's flying back. In order for the yacht to be sailed back, a crew has to be flown over from Europe. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, and then they're going to sail the yacht back. But the thing that particularly irks me about this whole escapade is that earlier in the week, and I, actually I haven't fact-checked this, I only got this off of social media, so this may actually be incorrect. I hope it is, and if you know if it actually turned out turns out to be factually correct, I'm going to be you know really put off by it. Apparently, she flew back to Sweden for a brief visit, and then flew back to New York before delivering that "How dare you" um, tirade. Wow! If that's true, then she you know I mean it's absolutely cretinous behavior. I mean. Not on her part. I mean, she's a, she's a minor. Say, she's a minor. Yeah. She's innocent in all of not, this. She's annoying, say, but she's still innocent yeah, in all of this. I was going to say, not, not, not against her, because obviously someone has to feed her this information. I, right? I think, you know, she's, she's a minor, and she, by, by her own admission, and a big deal has been made about the fact that she's a special need, literally a special needs child, mm -hmm. in the eyes of the law. Mm -hmm. um, and she's being manipulated and exploited by, I have to say it, very, you know, just not hold back opportunistic scum you know that's what's happening here in my view yeah you know yeah. and it's I you know I want to make be, be clear I think this the climate change issue is a gravely gravely serious issue as a Houstonian I mean yeah. as a proud Houstonian oh, yeah. we've been blasted by horrible floods oh, yeah. year after year after oh, year yeah. in a row I grew up here I don't I, I don't remember yeah. this happening growing yeah. up yeah. certainly not year after year in yeah. a row obviously something is going on and obviously yeah. something has to be done about it right. but to engage in histrionic shrieking and telling everybody how horrible they are yeah it's off-putting and it's drawing negative attention to the crisis yeah and it's just yeah so unhelpful so counterproductive yeah well i mean we've had that with these conversations before it's like even me as a libertarian like i don't want to deny a scientific you know thing right yeah. like it's clearly happening but doesn't mean I need to go right into regulation. Maybe we can go into the market for free solutions or like uh, or a hybrid approach, hybrid approach or something like right. that. Um, so the answer doesn't have to be regulation or you know progressive. It it can be something that works easily with libertarians, but doesn't mean you have to pretend like it's not, like it's not happening. You yeah. Know? Well, right here in Texas, we're doing, ironically, you know, the the seat of the global oil industry and an extremely extremely conservative place. We're leading the country in wind energy production. Wind energy production? I and mean, obviously solar, I mean, out in West Texas, I would imagine, you know, there's so much the, uninterrupted sunlight. Well, all the th it's actually all the clean energies, right? You have wind, um, what was the other one you were just saying? Solar. Wind, solar, um, and then get natural gas. Natural gas, natural that's gas right, Natural gas has yeah. low carbon emission. Yeah. Um, getting it, get, getting to it, you know, it's not, not exactly the cleanest process, but I mean, it's... You know, well, you actually, get, there's a lot of good debate on the fracking thing. Um, oh, it's a raging debate. It, Some people are just, you know, think it's it, the worst thing ever. And well, I'm kind of glad it's not in the the news media anymore. Yeah, because it was big do, news for a long yeah, time. Yeah, well, I mean, for I mean, the actual science of it is literally just um, injecting sand and water to open up, you know, these gases that are pockets or whatever. Yeah. So there's really no bad, toxic uh, things out there, and they've already disproven this. You know this thing that they think the they're creating earthquakes or anything like that. It's not scientific. I think it's just more of a more politics. But anyways. Yeah. But I, I was gonna say, uh, there's good natural gas, huge natural gas pockets in the United States. So we're already like 
we're already net exporters of energy now, which we uh, we're always dependent on foreign energy, you know, to help us. But now we're completely independent, so it's awesome. Good, it was good. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you've probably heard me whine so much about it, but because we're net exporters, um, specifically here in Houston, we export so much um, that all these tariffs and all these trade wars is killing the Houston market. I mean, mm. they've already estimated we're talking about in the billions just in the Houston area alone. Don't forget that Greenpeace protest. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Hartman, yeah. the Fred Hartman Bridge. Yeah, that's right. They disrupt them. They really did. They, they really did. Eighteen hours. Oh my gosh. Eighteen yeah. hours of, of yeah. transit through the Houston Ship yeah. Channel. That's like millions of dollars and, worth of you know. And their petroleum-based equipment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So Texas. I, you know, it's really. I think maybe Texas does these things quietly. They do a lot of um, enter, uh, environmental uh, conservation, mm -hmm. so they're really big on clean waters, et cetera, things like that. Part of that is the hunting culture, ironically. Hunting culture, yeah. Right. And I always tell people, like, um, especially now in politics, where like nationwide you have conservative Republicans and then progressive Democrats, and it seems like the Democrats, or in verbiage, they are the ones that care about the environment. And then, for some reason, the Republicans at the national level just pretend like they don't give a shit. But I, I always grew up here in Texas where, like, both parties agreed on that. It was yeah. like, we need to make sure our, our waters are clean, our air is clean. You know, you know, uh, Don't Mess With Texas was a huge yeah. marketing campaign of oh, littering God. and stuff of like course. that. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up with that stuff. So when they started flipping it of, like, we shouldn't care about the environment, I'm like, wait a minute, what? We always cared about the environment, like all the time. It shouldn't be a big leap um, to, you know, hold some companies accountable. Maybe um, I know here in the 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 big thing after the flood was the uh, contaminants that were released in the water by some some big companies. Um, I think the news broke out about Exxon was they have a big oh, yeah. facility that they had some contaminants out there, and there's a big argument because. This, the uh, the state of Texas basically gave them like a free pass on that. You know, they said, you know, basically after a, a disaster like this, all these companies get waivers for all the damages they're doing to the environment as long as they clean up their own act, you know, within a certain time frame or whatever. So a lot of these companies are kind of getting away with, with doing what they're doing, but... Oh, that's crazy. But anyways, yeah. um, I was going to say, in terms of energy policy, environmentalism, I'm right there with you. It's like, I, yeah, I get it. Like, we need to do something. But it's very, I think it's, I think the thing that really irritates me is in the politics, it's just about, like you said, it's about the rage culture. Of well, like yeah, for sure. The outrage of how dare you ruin the environment, how dare you do this. There, it's the outrage, mm -hmm. and it's never talking about the solutions, right? Like, how can we fix this? Yeah, in what, a what, practic way? yeah what practical steps can we take right. uh, relatively quickly that won't massively disrupt the, the relatively, you know, the, the normal functioning yeah. of things yeah. and uh, move things towards it. Yeah, it's all just shrieking and just uh, moral, Moral finger pointing that yeah. is not just not useful. Um, the I other thing, I always, I always think to myself like, what's the motivation? Because, you know, I, well, I think based on some of the verbiage that I've seen, 
in you know their lists of demands or manifestos and stuff it's full of intersectionalist language like equity and reparations and all this stuff so it's it's like it's kind of trojan horsey a little bit you know they they're kind of making a huge show of claiming that they care about whatever issue but it's all just yeah it's uh, just part of the the, I feel the, like the uh, my, uh, the, my woke, the woke hijacking you know, of the I culture feel, i feel like it's i my opinion is it's kind of like this rise of this culture of like narcissism on social media oh that's like, a huge part of it you know what i'm saying like yeah. you know how powerful social media is you know it gets you attention you could probably get paid doing getting on social media so it's like whoever makes the loudest statements going to get the most likes more attention etc i feel like it's still self-driven like uh not like individually like it's for your own self-benefit versus like here's a problem we really need to solve this mm-hmm. type of thing so that, that's just my opinion. the um i think the principal driver as far as i can tell of um all this like polarization and atomization and loss of any sense of like national purpose and united United purpose and that national cohesion is Twitter. I think that's like the principal. <laughs> in, I swear to God, I know you. You could, you know, you say social media more generally, but I think it's Twitter, man, because I think that's where the that's where all just the the, the, the the ugliest and most insane views get given for some reason, like yeah. currency, and they get yeah. traction and stuff. You know, which is weird because uh, Twitter, you have a, only like what, 120 uh, characters on a tweet, mm-hmm. whereas Facebook, you can like. You I think that's tear. yeah. I think that's probably part of it. Twitter's yeah. efficient, yeah. You know, because well. I mean, a tweet can really do a can be very impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, just a well, just a few sentences. Well, and then that segues probably into our, our last topic of the day is the master of social media, Donald Trump, uh, the, the president, <laughs> the the prez. <laughs> Shout out to the prez. I didn't vote for him. I don't support him. But man, he is so much fun. Oh my god, <laughs> he is a blast. <laughs> it's like it's like having Triumph the insult comic for president. So much of the time, it's incredible. He, I'm, I'm like I have never seen this in a president. Before. I have come to the conclusion I'm just like you know because he's the president. And it's, I'm sure every American who's like even mildly switched on and tuned in to you know the, the the national culture and what the mm-hmm. i hate the, it's a cliched term but the national conversation or whatever you know um i'm sure they think about the president all the time because it's or just he comes you know crosses yeah. their mind a lot you yeah. know because he's just always he's just ubiquitous you can't escape him yeah. you know but that's always been the case with the president the office of the presidency but this one my god he's just he pervades everything at all times. He makes it, and he does it on purpose, you know. He, oh, for sure. He makes it all about him. For like, sure. Even if it's something that is not even, he is not even involved, he'll get himself involved. For sure. It, it's, he's ingenious at it. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's, <laughs> President Trump is like, Mr. Burns and Ice T had a baby. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he's just like, takes the, the best... The most entertaining uh, aspect of both those characters, yeah. one re- one fictional, one real, <laughs> and just like just like he's the perfect, you know. I mean, yeah, and he's such a walking contradiction. I mean, everything yeah. is a contradiction. I yeah. Mean, you know the whole meme I and mean, the whole I mean, the whole immigration thing is kind of waned. Yeah. But I mean, the whole thing is a complete contradiction, right? He's talking about ending uh, chain chain immigration. Oh my God! Yeah. And 
you know, he brought his whole wife in. Oh, yeah. His yeah. whole oh, wife's family. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to drain the swamp and end all the corruption. <laughs> and he's just milking the government like a... I mean, he's just doing it out in the open. He's doing it openly, and um, he, he's he's doing it openly, and then he's, like, blatantly lying. And even if you call him out on it, if you fact check him, he will still pretend that what you're saying is not true. Yeah. It's and like just believing his own bullshit. And, right? a, and a hundred million Americans will go right along with him. And oh my God, defend him to the death. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm partly amazed and partly scared about these people. Yeah. That don't see, I mean, don't get me wrong, I saw these, you saw these same kind of culty people with President Obama, mm-hmm. people who were like, oh, for death, no most wrong, definitely. Right? Yeah, yeah. I remember the, I remember them, I mean, Cole and I were just like ripping on Obama with his drone bombing. I, like, the dude loved drone bombing. Like, yeah. I, I mean, probably strategically made more sense to not bring military troops into whatever place we wanted to invade again. Yeah. But uh, he just loved the shit out of drone bombing. Well, I think it's part of the general trend post-Vietnam because um, Vietnam was televised and uh, the images that were broadcast um, increasingly to color televisions in American homes from that war were, you know, really, really gruesome. Um, yeah, and not only the the not only the um, moving you know the moving in, image on the TV, but also the still images like the famous the naked girl running across the bridge, who's mm-hmm. you know, napalm on her skin. Um, all that's gone now, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like the people, you have to go looking for it if you want to know about like the horrors of what's going on in our foreign wars. It's yeah. the general population yeah. is totally like just sleepwalk, sleepwalking through it. Yeah, like it's not happening. Yeah. Um, and the drones are the perfect, uh, like the, yeah. the ultimate, like distillation of yeah. that phenomenon. You know, well, it's just like just happening, so, like ten thousand miles away, and nobody sees it. No, nobody's like we don't even have a pilot in the airspace. Yeah, it's in Las Vegas. Well, the marketing the, the, on the, that, you know, the piloting idea that we're we're the good guys in uh, foreign wars is really a well done marketing, right? I, I was thinking about this when I went to a football game the other day. Um, you know, every game, every game I've been to, at like baseball, basketball, football, they always have somebody they honor in the military. Every single, every, every single, single one. one, every regular season game. Yeah. And um, I like, I have no offense to them. Like, I think they've done a great thing. Oh, but, absolutely, for but, sure. But I, I literally had a, a my my buddy Matt was sitting next to me, who he was in the military, mm-hmm. and I was like. How much do you think the military paid for that advertisement right there? And <laughs> he was like millions. Yeah. That I mean, the 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 baseball and football and in in you know basketball associations are not bringing these people willingly. Somebody said, "I will pay you yeah. money That's to do this." Paid patriotism. Yes, paid patriotism. So it, it like you said, it's a narrative that we've we've written ourselves to say all the wrongs we did doesn't matter. Here's the heroes. We did the right thing, type mm-hmm. of thing. So it's a, probably like the ultimate marketing. If I ever think of it, you know, uh, uh, what was that thing? The the halo effect. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, anyways, um, so um, really interesting on the on the the social media thing. Donald Trump is just dominating, and I oh. gotta, I gotta be honest with you, like I I get I get sucked into it because I follow him on Facebook and Twitter, and I mean he says the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life, and I'm like, how can he say something like I'm I get outraged 
I mean, and then I have to like realize I'm getting outraged, and I need to like step back a bit, take a step back. Yeah. But he says the dumbest things ever, and I'm like, who's letting him do this? You know, <laughs> he's, but he it is. Works. Yeah. It works. Okay. Here's okay. This is what I want to get down to because I've already. This is a conversation that's playing itself out publicly, and I've already had uh, one conversation with uh, a conservative, um, who's a conservative who is you know very finds Trump very very off-putting um, and dislikes him and thinks he's an idiot, and um, we had the conversation: Is Trump just a lucky fool who keeps on doing these, just uh, stumbling into you know good fortune? Uh, by just tweeting insane things, not knowing uh, what the outcome is going to be, and not caring what the outcome is going to be, just you know being a total loose cannon, uh, just a malignant narcissist with uh, hair trigger, you know, emotions or whatever, right? Um, and he's just lucky; he's just been so consistently lucky over and over and over again. Or is he playing 3D chess? <laughs> and he's an absolute mastermind, diabolical genius. Totally. Um, I'm 100% on that side of the mm -hmm. fence. I think he's crazy like a fox. Mm -hmm. I think everything he's doing, he knows exactly what he's what he's doing. He knows he's, he's just playing the game masterfully. He's playing the Democratic Party like a fiddle. He's playing the mainstream media like a fiddle. And um, I think he's going to get reelected. I think he's going to get reelected mm, not easily. I think it's going to be another electoral college victory. I don't think I don't know if he'll win the popular vote, but I think he win. I think he'll win elected. You know, mm -hmm. he'll, he'll be duly elected again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's definitely a very intelligent person, and I think he figured out how to tap into social media better than anybody else. Because I mean, I I gotta be honest with you. Like, I followed Donald Trump before he became political on his business side, and I, like, you know, bought his books, yeah. listened to him talk. I was like, oh, this guy's a pretty sharp dude, right? Yeah. Like, you know the guy's smart. You know he can think, like you said, 3D chess. He he can play the moves and figure out where he he's been at it. He's been, he's been at it for a long time. He's been playing in a brutal high-stakes game for a long time, and he's been totally. succeeding at it. Totally. Um, but the only, thing, the only thing that I would say is as a contention is... There's people that I think that are a lot better at it than him. Oh, I would imagine so, yeah. And so I'm curious as to what their play is. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's smart and he's he's a very successful person, and he's no he knows what he's doing. But you know, it's kind of that thing of like, you know, the power of four brains is is going to be better than the power of one. Yeah. So there's got to be these people, and I like that's that's the part I was thinking about the other day was like. I don't like Donald Trump, and I'd love to see him gone. Mm -hmm. But the people that are fighting him are some shady motherfuckers too, right? Yeah. So it's like it's a lose lose for sure. If if Trump stays, you lose. If he gets removed and somebody else comes in, like another Democrat, you lose again. So it's kind of like I don't want any of these people to win. You know. You know, there's two things about that. Um, just going back to his mastery of social media, and just to further emphasize that the dude is a kind of genius being like being brilliant with social social media is a young person's game oh yeah you know he's in his 70s yeah how how is it that it's some like an old ass a crazy old man <laughs> is like totally an absolute past master at yeah deal, at doing social media you well, know i mean like i show. said i mean uh i, I was like i got it i can't i can't deny it i was a pretty big fan of Donald Trump before he got into politics um so i've 
you know, kind of You've watched been... his career go over the time. But, I mean, you remember in the 80s and 90s, he was always on the, uh, what was that talk show? Uh, Howard Stern. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I he, know he made I multiple mean, he, appearances. Yeah, he made multiple appearances and did these confessions about, you know, whatever of his experiences with models and stuff like that. Uh, so I think he learned early on that you have to stay on par with what social media is at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think he learned very quickly to be, like, risque. You know, like, say the outlandish thing. Oh, yeah. he gets you the most attention. Oh, like, God, I he's think bri- he figured it out. He's always been brilliant at yeah. being the center of attention. And I always. Think, I, and, and I think you're right on one side. Like, I think, like, when it comes to politics... I think the traditional politician looks very like measured, very controlled, um, you know, almost like a trained puppet, right? Whereas Donald Trump comes out like, I don't care, I'm just going to say what I want, and people go, oh, he's being truthful, even That's though what, he's playing another game. Yeah, well, uh, the, his supporters say they know he's lying, but he tells it like it is. So they have like this, like, they're able to draw... Oh, a, yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, very yeah. Int- a subtle semantic distinction between different <laughs> kinds of truth. Seriously, yeah. you know, there's yeah. like truthiness. <laughs> truthiness. Yeah. They said that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that I wanted to say, uh, and it's just, the thought just occurred to me as we were talking, is alternative that, facts. Sorry. Alternative. That's what it is. That's what it is. Alternative facts. The president has alternative facts. But um, that may not that I support his being reelected, and I can get pretty pretty much guarantee you that I won't pull the lever for him uh, next November. But maybe him getting reelected will further uh, the current phenomenon, which is that it's possible that President Trump, he's like, to use an an ancient cliche, he's like a bull in a china shop where he's Mm -hmm. like this, Mm -hmm. you know, just like a Tasmanian devil who's who's going in and just like smashing to pieces a system that had become very rotten and very sclerotic and very inefficient and very just, yeah. Just, you know, I mean, crip- crippled, basically, yeah, you know, dysfunctional, sure. to, dysfunctional to the point of being crippled. Sure. Uh, and maybe the initial opposition that has emerged is such a bunch of ridiculous clownery. Uh, you know, the Democratic Party, you have the intersectionalist buffoons, um, the socialists, which I have to say, like, they're the least unappealing because the, other, the only other option is Biden. <laughs> who's this confused, confused old yeah. man oh who's a God. creature of the banks? I mean, and it's it, just not, a, you know. It's it, well, you. I know we've talked about this because we both really like Tulsi Gabbard, right? Oh yeah, she you, totally of got course. Shoved out. Well, how oh, she's made it for the next debate, though. Thank God, she made it. She yeah. made it. I mean, thankfully, so I'm really pleased about that. It's just funny how they're trying to push out those candidates. I mean, in my opinion, I think there's certain candidates that would really challenge Donald Trump um, because they have. I, I feel like they have more core values mm-hmm. that would really threaten Donald Trump because you'd be an immovable object to Donald Trump mm-hmm. versus these clowns like you're talking about Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. They're just playing, hamming up to the current social trends and trying to garner more attention that way versus saying, here's my, here are my core values and here, I, these, I'm, this is what I would be doing as a president. Well, the only one who hasn't deviated from that is Bernie. You know? Bernie. He's just yeah. like the same, <laughs> same the same dude. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to nationalize everything. <laughs> no, no more billionaires. <laughs> oh, my God, I know. And I mean, there, I mean we, we got to give it to the credit to the Democratic Party because I mean, I don't know. I always thought that was the deal when he stepped down for Hillary Clinton was they were saying, let's let we want Hillary 
step down and we'll give you the option for the next presidency type of thing. Like, I think there's a back backdoor deal for Bernie to not contend with Hillary Clinton. I think what was, for sure, what was offered to him was what he ended up getting, which is a, a, a position of prominence in the Democratic Party, because right. whether it was like directly, yeah, you'll be the nominee, yeah. um, I don't I don't know if, I mean, that's disputable, but I think based on what, yeah. what we see, you know, that he and Warren are the front runners, uh, and well, nominally, I mean, Biden obviously is the nominal front runner, but, and he may be the nominee. Yeah. I hope not. I hope very sincerely not, because... but. I mean, because I mean, I'm sorry. I know it's you know ageist or whatever, but I mean, I don't know if he is in himself, but he keeps on coming across like a frail, like confused lost, yeah. old man. Lost his dentures, his, his dentures came I loose came in, lose, right? here, here, yeah. here, here, here in our city. He had a denture incident. It's bad, and well, we can say it's not ageism because. Um, I think Donald Trump's about the same age, aren't they? They're really like one or two years. Biden, no, there's like. More like a three or four or five year difference. Um, Biden is like seventy six, um, but they're both in their seventies. Yes, they're both in their seventies. So uh, Trump we, is like seventy three, so maybe. We, we've never said anything about Donald Trump being like an old senile guy because he's clearly not. No, if anything, he's the opposite. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so there's multiple ways that uh, Trump has shown himself to defy gravity. Um, <laughs> the, the the one we just discussed is. Um, He's in his 70s, and he's better at social media than any millennial or yeah. any teenager yeah. or anybody, anybody who was born with a phone in their hand. Yeah. He was not. Yeah. He, he, he used, like, rotary dial phones, <laughs> you know, most of his life. <laughs> um, and, you know, the other way he's defying gravity is, okay, this is a man who sleeps four hours a night, a man in his 70s who sleeps four hours a night, eats garbage all day. He eats yeah. nothing but garbagey foods yeah. all day long every day. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, oh, he doesn't narcolepsy, do, right? He doesn't sleep. Doesn't exercise. Yeah. He sleeps four hours a night on average. Four hours a night. Yeah. Eats garbage. Doesn't exercise. Takes basically the most awful care of himself imaginable. You'd think he and he has this most stressful job in the world. Yeah. The loneliest, most stressful job on earth. You'd yeah. think he'd be dead by yeah. now. No. Not only is he not dead, he's thriving. He's yeah. fine. He's like Popeye. Yeah. He's just like he's unstoppable. Did he sell his soul to the devil? Is he the Antichrist? What's going on here? How does this old man do this? It blows my mind. What's, what's your secret? Look, I'm starting to feel about Trump like uh, like Ron Burgundy with Baxter when he eats all the cheese. I'm just amazed. I'm not even mad anymore. You know, it's like, okay, Mr. President, what are you going to do next? That blows my mind. Yeah. No, it, it's incredible. Like you said, he's he he's he's in his 70s. He is not in that same senile state as Joe no, Biden. No, not at all. He's so razor sharp. It's really easy to say it's not about an age thing. Because not Donald at all. Trump is in his 70s and he's fine. Um, but you, if I think about... If you put him against Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, or Bernie Sanders, he's going to wipe the floor with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's sharp. He can come back at you with something really quickly. And I was reading something. Um, it was, like, kind of like political science research. Mm -hmm. And they were saying people tend to um, respond better to personality, humor, and comebacks versus the actual position that you have on a topic. That's a sad state of affairs, it's but it makes, affairs, it but makes it sense, sense, right? Yeah, like yeah. if you can come back with something whippy, quippy, and you laugh and you make people smile, um, and you look like you're, you're sharp, mm -hmm. then people will like you. So it's like you take somebody like a good Bernie Sanders or um, Elizabeth Warren who probably have good like 
solid positions they actually believe in, nobody's going to care because you look like like a I don't know like like a drag like you're kind of boring you know yeah so they gotta they gotta look past that and figure out how to be sharp and that's why I think I actually like Tulsi Gabbard because I saw her in the debates do some really quippy comebacks well if Tulsi somehow defies you know just is uh, a, a snowball who called, makes it through hmm? and she's called Donald Trump Saudi's bitch I mean <laughs> that's incredible I mean I was like oh my god I didn't know that that's crazy <laughs> She's been. She said it like two or three times already, especially recently with um, the bombing of the. I'm sorry, the uh, the drone bombing of their oil fields. Oh yeah. Um, and Donald Trump is talking about going in to help, and she's basically out there saying like we should not go out there and be Saudi's military. Donald Trump is Saudi's bitch, and I, I was like, Dang. wow. <laughs> See, I mean that's fine and everything, and I still support. You know uh, that would get his, get his goat. You know. Oh, for sure. For sure, maybe maybe she's uh, planting the seeds in, so. in case she's the nominee. I think so. Getting in his head. <laughs> no, but she's a nominee. I'll be. I'll go full one hundred percent. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll donate money. I'll donate my time. I'll do yeah. whatever. I'll be like one hundred percent behind her. Yeah. Because she's by, by by miles and miles and miles the best candidate. Oh I mean, yeah. Without for sure. Without question. You for know? sure. I mean, even like in the libertarian circles, you know, people there's a lot of libertarians that like her for a lot of the anti-war all the major stuff that we've talked about for a long time mm -hmm. but you know there's some people that are like well she's good on these things but she's terrible on these other things mm -hmm. but I mean when I look at them I'm like dude these aren't as bad as this like I would totally would, wouldn't mind focusing on this with this candidate um, if we can just reverse like you said kind of the American foreign war policy um, that's a huge thing right it's only a matter of time. Yeah. It's unsustainable, and um, the national government is under pretty considerable fiscal strain. Um, yeah. And it just something's going to have to go. Something, yeah. I mean, you can't if the if the domestic fiscal apparatus um, that finances this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, all these garrisons, giant military garrisons, and eight hundred yeah. and yeah. uh, eight hundred of them in one hundred and twenty countries. Um, when that central financial apparatus starts, just you know, mm -hmm. when, it, when it gives out, you, that's going to have to. We're going to have to come home. We're going to have to bring all that stuff home. It's it's going to happen during our lifetime. I'm quite convinced of. I mean, who knows? Because, um, well, you know, the the new way to to fund these things is just print a shit ton of fake money. Yeah, so, the Fed. The Fed, and you know, we were talking about this with at work with Donald Trump talking about wanting to keep interest rates low even though the market is kind of heating up and so usually the their their fed the fed theory is if the market's too hot let me increase interest rates to slow down oh sure yeah, yeah, growth, yeah. Mm -hmm. right so then we're just kind of tweaking from here and there and well that's the uh, milton friedman you know he was yeah. just like that's yeah that that was his thing he's like that's how you that's how you control Inflation and um, um, yeah, manage employment. You know, uh, keep employment, keep For unemployment sure. low, etc. For sure, that I mean thing. that and monetarist. And right now, the Fed decided to keep their interest rates low. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, they're being able to print all the money they want to on on very low cost. But you know, one of the things that kind of traditional libertarians talk about is how it kills the individual person, their savings, right? Because you're putting money into a savings account thinking it's going to, you know, have interest on it. Well, yeah. I mean, um, well, the, 
um, during the real peak of the what, what they called the whatever quantitative easing that's the, name, the technical name for it uh, era with, that we've been in, in the last 10 years in Germany their bonds uh, four or five years ago their 10-year bonds German 10-year bonds had a negative interest rate yield yeah so you were right. being penalized <laughs> yeah, you're being penalized for saving yeah. and uh, rewarded for borrowing. <laughs> yeah, that's basically so, what it I amounts mean, to. That's a huge libertarian gr uh, gripe because yeah. they're talking about destroying people's savings, and then um, you know basically you you are creating, you're redirecting behavior mm -hmm. that may not otherwise happen, right? So instead of saving money and going, oh, I better save my money to buy a house or do whatever. Now you're reinvesting into something that's probably riskier, right? Like going into, I don't know, the market and trying to uh, put something in there. Or you have businesses who are like, well, it's very cheap to borrow money. So let me borrow money and put into a risky venture. If it fails, no big deal. It really didn't cost me much. So anyways, there's a lot of mal investment. I think that's what they talk about. But no, for sure. when it comes for the Fed, I mean, they're just going to print a shit ton of money in. People just lose the cost, you know, their savings or uh, inflation, right? The things, the things of, you know, milk cost more or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, but I just I, I love how um, talking about walking contradictions. You know, Trump has always touted this amazing economy because of him. Oh yeah. Um, and then now that there's a big talk about the economy slowing down, and we even even at me at work, like we see it, like on the ground like mm -hmm. people are are not ordering as much people are the economy is cooling down mm -hmm. I mean, everybody is really worried about it but for some reason when it hits that peak national level it's like no everything's fine i don't know what people are talking about etc and then uh anyways but donald trump is like yeah everything's fine blah blah, blah. Mm -hmm. but he's still wanting the fed to keep interest rates low yeah to battle um, you know, a heating market. Yeah. So it's kind of like walking contradiction, dude. Like, yeah. If it was fine, you would just leave it alone, right? Yeah. But anyways. It's like the uh, radical LGBT uh, activists. They say, we were born this way, but at the same time, sexuality is fluid. Yeah. So that thing, that makes me think about the, the big thing we haven't talked about yet, which is um, the impeachment and this whole Ukrainian conversation. So what, what do you know about it? Well, um, when it comes to these things, um, I pay as little, as little attention as possible because even adopting that strategy um, ensures that I'm going to know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Way more than I want to know because I've just... Uh, at this point, these so-called scandals and um, crises for the president have become it's going to blow over. I mm -hmm. promise you it's going to blow over. It's going to be yet another incident of much ado about nothing, uh, a giant waste of everybody's time. Um, because this is just, if they couldn't get him on Russia, on the so on Russia gate, that was a two year long ordeal. God knows how many millions upon millions upon millions of taxpayer dollars were spent on that with congressional investigators and lawyer fees and subpoenas and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. You know, that's, that stuff, that, those kind of things, always just grind on forever and require a lot of, a lot of money. Two years, 
of this uh, and multi and they brought in all these big shots uh, Mueller and Comey and they had uh, multiple you know, God knows how many congressional testimonies and they tried to get the president on this Russia thing and there, were, there was incessant talk of impeachment and then finally two years later nothing how much have you heard thank God it's over because it, it, it bothered me to no end because I knew the whole time that it was going to amount to nothing and I really strongly, very, very strongly believe that this Ukraine thing is going to amount to nothing. Even if the House impeaches, it won't be ratified by the Senate because it's a Republican Senate. Yeah. yeah. And so he will, Donald Trump will be the, he will remain the president and he will be the, the nominee for his party next November. So I just don't understand. Well, I do understand. It's just, it's, I, I've never seen incompetence like this. This wildly unpopular, totally, you know, at least superficially, as we've established, crazy president, <laughs> and the opposition can't do anything. Yeah. Other, all they can do is just these contrived crises and yeah. uh, scandals. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. This could be the thing, the, the thing that finally does him in. But I mean, just even during when he was campaigning, he started off his campaign by saying something that should have, should have disqualified him. <laughs> right. Saying Mexicans are rapists and drug dealers. <laughs> That should have disqualified him right then. Yeah. And yet he's still president. Yeah. He's still very successful. Or when that uh, audio came out where he said, grab, grab him the pussy. Yeah. And, um, and he, I mean, he just flat out came out and said, I'm sorry. That was back then. Yeah. I, I apologize. Then later he said he didn't say it. Later he said the re recording was, was <laughs> bogus. <laughs> he said that not long ago. So that guy lives in an alternative reality. He, make, he just makes it makes up his own reality. He, he makes a, he, he really, really does. does right? He totally he does. Makes up his own reality. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the Ukrainian conversation thing, like alleged, the uh, the allegation is that they were on the phone, and he basically wanted to dig up dirt for Joe Joe Biden. I almost said Joe Rogan, Joe Biden's son mm -hmm. on his corrupt, you know, thing yeah. that happened with his business over there. Yes. Um, that's what he wanted information on, and um, I think what the accusation is is essentially he was with like I guess he was a kind of a quid pro quo. A quid, that's exactly what they're that's what they're trying to claim. That's what they're trying to claim, um, but like you said, it's like I don't know if that's what really happened. What they're saying, look, the what, what they're saying is that um, I don't think they're going to be able to get him on the quid pro quo. Because principally what he was doing was what he does with a lot of, he's constantly calling for people to be investigated. He called yeah. for Saturday Night Live to be investigated. <laughs> so he's, con I mean, like, he's got a investigation request hair trigger, let's call oh, yeah. it. You know, yeah, he's yeah, just like, sure. investigate them, investigate them. And so he was on the phone with a, with a foreign leader and he said, I want, the, I want somebody who is an American who has dealings in your country. Um, I want him. I want him investigated. So it's, it's something that he does all the time. He did bring up military aid of some kind. I don't know the details of the story, like the nitty gritty of them. Maybe you do better than I do. But as far as I know, I don't think he said. I don't think there's a sentence where he said, "If you do not investigate this dude, I will. Uh, I'll throw sand in the gears of this aid that you're expecting." That's. That would he'd have to have uttered those words, um, and it would have to be you know, yeah, yeah, irrefutable. There would have to be yeah. irrefutable evidence, yeah, for them for that to be a grounds for impeachment. Yeah, so. And if they were able to produce that, there's a better chance that the Senate would convict because it would be so damning. You know, that yeah. is exactly you know that is dirty, exactly. like gangsterish and, stuff. 
And uh, that's what they're trying to pin him on, was kind of a quid pro quo. And then I think the Ukrainian president actually has come out and, and said, no, it wasn't anything that's like right. that. That's right, you yeah. Know, it was normal conversation. I didn't think he was threatening military aid for this thing. Yeah. But I don't think it came off that way. So even, even that person, like the witness in the whole situation, was like, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I do find hilarious is now it's throwing shade on, on Biden. Uh, Joe Biden. I know. It could derail his candidacy. I think so. Because, yeah. A, you're now, now they're peeling into the whole thing about his son with his corrupt business yeah. in, in the Ukraine, who Biden put him in there yeah. and threatened at the time, <laughs> who threatened to withhold yeah. funding yeah. to the uh, Ukrainian, I don't know, prime minister or whatever at yeah. the time. Yeah. So fire it's fire like, the pros- prosecutor that was looking into his son. <laughs> it's, like, it's like exactly what he said is it kind of comes off as like, uh, idiocy that you're trying to throw something on him and it just bounces right back to you yes. and the candidate you're trying to prop up it might get fucked on this Yeah. so I think it's hilarious I think it's extremely funny and yeah. like I said it goes back to what I said I've never seen such incompetence in my no. life No. ever since I've been tuned into public affairs yeah. I've just, and I'm I just blown away by it I think that's probably mystifies me because I'm like this is so dumb like so flimsy <laughs> There has to be some evil genius in the back who's got something, who he's thinking like 10 moves ahead and he's creating some triggers. He's playing 4D chess. He's playing 4D (laughs) chess. He's playing checkers. (laughs) He's playing space checkers, son. He's playing space checkers. (laughs) Zero gravity checkers. You don't know where they are. (laughs) What's that? I mean, think of that. What's that Star Wars chess game that they have in the... Um, in A New Hope? The, no, no, no. Just in general. Like, oh, that is throughout the whole series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Apparently, Chewbacca has like an addiction to it. <laughs> so the initial game they had on A New Hope when they're playing with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that like, one. You better let the, the Wookiee win. There's a, there's a name for it. They made it up. Oh, okay. And it's got like two decks or two or three decks on it. And yeah. apparently, it's like people are playing the game in real life. Like, it's a legit game. Hmm. But it is kind of like... Two, three level type of uh, ch- uh, chess type huh. of thing. So well, anyway. Trump is a master at it. Trump is a master, right? <laughs> Trump would win. But anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm always like, this seems really weak. Why are they going gung ho on this? Like even Nancy Pelosi, who was kind of uh, reticent to go. Oh, to I, go I, in, I think she's. I think she's trying. I think she's a tired old lady yeah. who's sick of being under constant pressure. Um, by, yeah, by you know a very yeah. a very animated and radicalized yeah. faction of her party, that's but, uh, insisting on. Well, and on the one this. thing I wanted to think, what I wanted to bring up that I've been thinking about was the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Like when that whole thing happened, I mean, literally, it was just based on on a personal relationship that he had, and then he lied. He lied about, about it. it, and then they used that to try to impeach him. And I'm trying to remember. They actually impeached him. Like they voted. The House impeached. The yeah. Senate didn't uh, didn't That's ratify. It and that he, I mean, he narrowly missed it. It yeah. was like a 
razor razor thin. It was like the margin was like three votes in the yeah, Senate. Yeah. Like he just escaped getting kicked out. Yeah. Of so I'm thinking about that historically, and I got to be honest, that probably ruined Bill Clinton's reputation, right? But it didn't ruin his presidency. It didn't ruin his presidency. That happened in like '98, yeah, and he, he left. Fine. He left office two years later, and he was just a very, very, mm-hmm. wi- a very popular president, and considered to be a very successful president. Oh, for sure, for sure. So the impeachment then, didn't. If anything, it helped. It well, as I was gonna say, it didn't, at least in the short term, it didn't help because. Yeah, like you said, Bill Clinton came out kind of relatively. He retired, right? So it's fine. The Republicans lost their majority. Um, That's right. Yeah. Right, and then, um, and then pretty much everybody who went in there who was like gung ho, like Newt Gingrich and stuff like that, they lost their careers on that one. Mm-hmm. So kind of what you said is like you have nothing to win here. I, I don't know if this is the sword you want to fall on, right? Like. Well, see, here's not the one you want to go. I don't know if I concluded my point earlier, um, but um, what I was going to, what I started saying was that um, maybe Trump is like the corrective for all this rot and you know just the, yeah. all, all the, the yeah. just the, the uh, just kind of national civic pathology, I guess you could call it, um, and maybe him getting reelected and. Because the current opposition is such just just like we've established, yeah. wildly incompetent yeah. and just clownish and just gauche and just off-putting, um, and I think that's the reason he's going to get reelected. And maybe the you know it's, there's like chaff that's going to get the, or, or there's get, there's yeah. chaff that's going to get separated yeah. from the wheat. Like the next time yeah. for the next election, yeah. uh, obviously he won't be up for re-election after after he wins. But the next Democratic mm-hmm. sort of the way that the Democratic Party re-coalesces after falling apart, which I think is it, it's, seems inevitable if they lose, yeah. you know. Man, I really wish I really wish it would open the room for a third party. for a third party. I'm always wait, waiting for that. I yeah. mean, I know we've been a dual party for I mean not long. I mean, it's only been a hundred years, maybe something like that. Yeah. We, we used to have multiple, multiple parties, parties right? but they just consolidated they into consolidated. two. Yeah, exactly. But I would love it. If it would just coalesce the middle yeah. into one group, I mean, it doesn't have to be libertarians. Most of these people kind of think relatively similar. I don't care if it's got another name, um, but as long as if it's like some moderate, independent coal- coalition, it could happen, Caesar. I mean, things seem to be in a state of very significant flux. So, I mean, things could easily break apart. I mean, look at let me just look at where we are, and like not not only in this country but in the English-speaking world more broadly. You know. Mm-hmm. Brexit, which is still a just, this, it's hard to say how to describe it. I mean, it's just this grinding. What's that prime minister's name? Uh, Boris Johnson. <laughs> and wasn't he asked to step down? Did you see that? Yeah, but I think, I think that was just a rhetorical, you know, just yeah, just snark. He's like the the British Trump, isn't he? He's um, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Um, they both, you know, just say whatever's on their mind yeah. and whatever. But I think, I think, um, I think Johnson is a lot more calculated. Um, I, I just think it's hilarious because you know, um, you have the British politics, you have even Mexican politics, right? I mean, everybody was completely negative about Trump, and a lot of these countries have ended up voting in their own version of Trump. Oh, a know? lot of places, yeah, like Mexico, right? Amlo. Yeah. I mean, the the dude is just saying the most brandish, outlandish things. Yeah. Prime Minister, you know, uh, the Prime Minister of the uh, UK. <sighs> um, it's crazy. Um, uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil. 
The guy in oh, India, yeah. the guy in India who just paid us a visit last That's week. That's right. Modi. Howdy, Modi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And Trump came. Trump came to Houston. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow, this is really interesting time. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> Welcome, Mr. President. Right. <laughs> <laughs> have some have some Viet Cajun fusion while you're here. <laughs> That's right. You can speak one of our several hundred languages. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting close to the 90 minutes, so we'll we'll wrap it up. All but right, man. Thanks everybody for listening. Rob, thanks for coming. I really that appreciate it. Awesome great, time as always. Yeah, great conversation. Um, anybody listening, thanks for uh, hearing us out. Uh, I apologize for the dogs. <laughs> that was so much we're, fun. Yeah, we were trying to record here, but uh, I'm watching the dogs right now, and um, they. Well, like you said, we were talking about they. They have such a great time. I mean, this is them being normal. Yeah. You know, so. Obviously, I'm trying to keep them quiet. I yeah. can't be like, can you be quiet, dog, please? <laughs> yeah, that's whatever. So, anyway, so sorry for the noise, um, and we'll see you next time.